Welcome to A Medic's Mind. Um, I hope that you're all doing well. Uh, I'm doing okay. I apologize that the podcast has not been up um, consistently on on specific days. You know, on, on Tuesday, I said I was going to try and record new episodes every Tuesday or have them out every Tuesday. Uh, you know, life just kind of gets in the way sometimes and, and you get busy, you get running around. Uh, and ultimately, podcasting and, and this podcast specifically uh, has been and is a form of therapy for me. It's an outlet for me. It's not monetized. It's not uh, sponsored. You know, I don't make a living from this podcast. This is just something that I do uh, as a way of, of helping myself cope through things and a way of prioritizing things that I want to say and things I want to talk about. And so uh, sometimes, though, uh, life uh, does throw some... Uh, you know, some, um, some busyness our way, shall we say. And, uh, you know, nothing, nothing bad to report, nothing, uh, strenuous or stressful to report. Things have been great. Uh, I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit healthier. You know, the dizziness is still around. It's a little bit concerning. It's been around for about a month now. So hopefully, uh, that's nothing serious. Hopefully it's not anything sinister. Um, I can only, Assume that, uh, you know, with being of relative young age, I guess, you know, 38, it doesn't feel young. Holy shit. You know, it doesn't feel young. I jumped on a trampoline the other day for the first time in probably 20 some odd years. Um, I thought I had a herniated stroke. Yeah, no, you heard that right. Herniated stroke. Oh my God. I jumped on the trampoline for about two minutes. If that, that's putting it, you know, that's being generous to the time I was on there. And uh, I was with a couple of kids on the trampoline and, and Sheena and I made one or two jumps and I got off and I felt like I'd been on a boat for 25 years. My legs were wobbly. The ground didn't feel right anymore. And then everything, it's a lot of body basically is what it is. It's a lot. Of, she, the, my girlfriend said that to me. She goes, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of body jumping on there. And I was like, what is that? A fat joke? And she goes, I'm not talking just about you. I'm saying this as adults now. And, uh, <laughs> It's crazy, man. Oh man, it's uh it's funny how minds work, isn't it? You know, I still look at things and my mind goes, Yeah, you could totally hop that fence. And my body goes, try it, fat boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it never works out in my favor. Um anyway, sorry, I digress. I have a blog read for you guys today. It's up on Emetics Mind right now, emeticsmind.com. It's called Maddie Failure Mistakes Were Made. And it's inspired by Stefan uh, or Stefan uh, Pastis's book of the same name. Uh, Timmy, well, sort of the same name. Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made. He's got a whole collection of Timmy Failure books. And I recently watched the movie that came out on Disney Plus. 
And it is a great little movie. It's a very charming movie. And his books are very charming and they're very, they're very well written. I highly recommend going to check them out. I'm actually going to buy his entire collection on Amazon next, uh, next time I get paid because they are that engaging and entertaining. And they really bring me back to a time when I was a kid and uh, I wanted to write about it um, in in a sort of charming way as well, but I wanted to be honest the way I usually am throughout uh, throughout my time explaining my childhood and my my generalized life to you guys. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's what's coming up next in this podcast. It is uh, something that I uh, wrote and recently produced and put together to voice. Also, just a, a side bit of news here um, with respect to trying to get into voice work. I have a new website up strictly for voiceover work. It's called mattdoesvoiceover.ca. Mattdoesvoiceover.ca. Feel free to go over there and check out some of the uh, stuff I've done with respect to mock commercials and so on and so forth. Uh, I think I'd like to make a go of doing this voice acting and voice uh, stuff. Don't know if that's in my cards. Don't know if I have the talent for that, but it, it, it's definitely something that uh, appeals to me and definitely intrigues me. So I'm going to give it the old schoolboy try and see what happens. Anyway, this, guys, is episode 199. We're one away from 200, which is crazy. 199, Maddie failure. Mistakes were made. This is an incoming transmission from the Emetics Mind podcast. Stay tuned for an incoming episode. I just had the pleasure of watching a charming little film by the name of Timmy Failure. Mistakes were made. At its core, it's a story of a boy with an excitable imagination. The film starts out with our main hero, narrating his 'er ne'er-do-well tendencies. It's lighthearted and fun, at least on its surface. When viewed through adult eyes, we are granted access into the story's more weighted theme. As the boy's voice draws you into the initiation of his story, we are presented an encounter that depicts his mother angrily shouting at what appears to be a languid father. The father is shown leaving with apathetic gait, It is in those immediate moments following said scenario that we are introduced to Timmy's wonderful imagination. And this is when I stopped viewing Timmy's story and started remembering my own. As a boy, I often found reprieve from my own cluttered family dysfunction via the playground of imaginary exploits. At one time, I was a scientist I would grab whatever ingredients I needed from the kitchen, from the bathroom cupboard, or underneath the kitchen sink, and transport them to my room via my little yellow suitcase. A suitcase stained by years of marker scribble and scratches of neglect. None the matter, it was my science briefcase. It came with me, everywhere. Its contents usually held crinkled pieces of paper with what I believe to be scientific documentation scrawled to them. Then there were the procurements of whatever science of the day I was conducting. Nothing other than a mess was ever created by my hands. One of my life's biggest regrets, I suppose. (laughs) 
but not to dwell. It was time to move on to bigger and better. In grade five, much like Timmy from the story, I became a private detective. Inspired by my favorite read of that time, Nate the Great. I quickly learned that wearing one of my mom's old tan-colored raincoats to school did not distinguish me as refined to my peers, but rather as a weird kid in an oversized lady's coat. My time as a detective was short-lived, likely for the best. I never really was much good at finding things, not even matching socks. After that, my urchin brain latched onto an entity known as the evaporators. What were the evaporators? Oh, nothing. Nothing other than intergalactic space ninjas sent down from the planet of Aptai to suck dry the Earth's water supply and slave us all. This is the emergency broadcast system. This is not a test. I say again, this is not a test. The Center for Disease Control, NORAD, and NATO are all reporting an alien invasion. I say again, aliens have invaded Earth. May God have mercy on all of us. Well, that's what I believe them to be, anyway. And when walking home from school on a particularly warm and sunny spring day, my eyes caught glimpse of a darkened patch of cement. It hugged the curb and crawled toward a storm drain. Ordinarily, this is where water would be, but all that remained was a graveyard of arthritic leaves and twigs, branches and roadway runoff. It was near dry. My God, the evaporators are here. I quickly ran home, bound up the stairs toward my room, flung my pesky school bag to the floor while diving into my closet. I began hurriedly rummaging through a plastic bin that held all sorts of odds and ends from when I was just a baby through to my time as a ten-year-old. I withdrew triumphantly. A dented, abused, and well-worn pair of plastic nunchuckas, commonly referred to by the uninitiated as nunchucks, my weapon of war. This was, after all, war. There was no way I was going to allow a grotesque horde of space ninjas to enslave us all while stealing our water supply. Nah, no way. I used to traipse up and down my block as well as traversing in the backwoods of my little town, hunting and defeating this ethereal enemy of humanity. I generally did this alone. I didn't want to burden or endanger anyone else. Besides, at that age, during that time, I really didn't have a lot of friends. Knowing that the world was unaware of our impending danger made sitting in class seem pedestrian and superfluous. So I often used my maniacal time in school to draw battle plans for the war that was to ensue come 3 p.m. The downside of this was that my homework would often take a back seat. And by back seat, I mean become lost in the trash pile that was my school desk and my tardiness with respect to homework typically led to a call home from the teachers. They would call my mother and explain that I seemed distracted and easily led astray by daydreaming. And this would often lead to punitive tongue lashings from a tired, pained, and frustrated woman. My mom. You see, 
Back then, my mother had newly been diagnosed with cancer. She was in and out of hospital seemingly more times than I'd care to recollect. When school ended for my peers, they went home to their families, to their lives. I'd strap on my oversized backpack, ensure that my shoes were tied just right, avoid whatever bully may be waiting for me, and then I'd walk along the hilly terrain that hallmarks my little town. I'd follow from sidewalk to park path to sidewalk again, until I would arrive at the pastel-colored establishment that housed swaths of beeping machines, hallways that smelled of antiseptic and indiscriminate ointments, a place that kept my mother hidden beneath wires, tubes, and blankets. The hospital. This was my after-school activity. Likely the reason I never signed up for anything else. Sometimes I would sit in one of those uncomfortable guest chairs that seemed standard in any hospital room and try to do my piteous school assignments. But this was a fruitless undertaking. I found it near to impossible to separate my gaze from the IV tubing, nictating monitors, beeping machines, or worse still, the side of my sickly mother. She lay sleeping most times I arrived. Not restfully, but in an induced slumber. I blamed the evaporators for this, too. I felt as though they were sucking her life force. So when I was given reprieve from the fluorescent prison of the hospital, I would flee to the outside, pick up a stick, or withdraw my nunchucks from my backpack and proceed to wander around the nearby lake. I'd swing wildly at my ethereal enemy, garnering befuddled gapes from passing onlookers. They truly had no idea how lucky they were to not see what I did. A statement that takes on new poignancy when contextualizing real life to that of my fantastical one. In the movie, Timmy Failure, he finds himself in the school counselor's office. He's there for assignment and debrief of his troubled escapades. When I was 10, I found myself stapled to a chair opposite that of a school counselor as well. They were asking me about seeing invisible creatures and why I was trying to fight them. In the movie, this is done with buoyant flair and satisfying observatory practice. In real life, when I was the one sitting in an office with a looming adult figure peering down at me, it became obvious to me. Mistakes were made. I eventually revealed that I did not actually believe in the extraterrestrial beings. I deflated when explaining that having something tangible to fight, to face, to defeat, felt indescribably better than residing in a world, my world, where I had control over nothing. I wasn't able to stop my father from hurting our family. I wasn't able to convince my siblings to stay when they were leaving. And I was unable to cure my mother. And I was scared because she would all too often tell me through dehydrated lips that she wanted to die. She'd ask me if I was okay with it. Being 10, I had no concept of how to return that question with an answer. So it became easier to create, craft, and manipulate the world around me instead of participating in the world. I just hid from it by creating a new one. A practice that would later get me into trouble 
because as I got older, little yellow briefcases and oversized trench coats gave way to whiskey bottles and beer cans. The movie ends with Timmy coming to terms with his surroundings and the inevitable jump to middle school. A happy tune plays as the credits begin to roll. And as they did, I struggled to keep tears from falling down my cheeks. I was in a room with two children and my girlfriend, none of whom had any idea of what world I was just coming back from. I immediately went downstairs and started writing this. Childhood was not easy. Adulthood has not been easy. But there's a happy little tune playing in the background of my life. Why? Because much like Timmy, I am loved. I am cared for and I am humbled by my life's experiences. I have served my country as a soldier, saved my community as a paramedic, and befriended the world with the words from my book. It's hard not to feel like a lucky man when I'm able to say those things. Timmy failure, mistakes were made. And Maddie, sometimes a failure. Sometimes mistakes are made. But at the end of it all, a happy little song plays on. Because my story isn't over just yet. Just a lesson that I've learned in 